You're listening to the League Bound Podcast. Your source for weekly coverage on the future stars of the NBA. I'm your co-host, Jake Schrantz. And I'm your co-host, Brandon Blue. With production for the podcast coming from Broderick Wilkin. With the first pick in the NBA draft. Hello and welcome back to the League Bound Podcast, where we break down prospects and the best players in college basketball, while also talking about breaking news in the college basketball world. I am your co-host, Brandon Blue, here with my boy Jake. What's going on, everybody? It's Jake Schrantz here. Doing uh, pretty rough here tonight. Uh, you know, tough loss for maybe the favorite team on the podcast, Missouri State. But, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later. Brody, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. We got a lot of things to look forward to in this podcast. We're going to be looking at the Wooden Player of the Year nominees. Well, I guess they're not nominees per se, but they're potential candidates for uh, this year's Player of the Year. And we're going to talk about who we think will come out on top. Moving right along, I'm just kind of sad today because... <laughs> Why are you sad, Brandon? <laughs> Why are you sad, man? There's no negativity, bro. <laughs> man. I mean, <sighs> we love the negativity section, and not having it on this week is just a plain bummer. I don't think, unless we missed something, there really was nothing nearly as wild as we've had the last couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, nothing it's, serious it's, this week. It's really a bummer. Hopefully it... uh comes back next week as people start getting more chippy trying to get those spots in March Madness. Definitely. If y'all if y'all did notice anything and we missed it, let us know in the comment section cuz I don't sure. I don't want to go another pod without missing it. For anything. sure. What's the news? First up, we're going to have a little debate about who our front runners are for wooden player of the year. Um, I think the main candidates right now are Oscar Sibway, Ochai Agbaji, and Johnny Davis. Jake, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so we're kind of going to get into it a little bit later with Ochai. Um, but I think right now he's third on my list of these three. Um, Oscar Shibwe, just by pure numbers, is probably the clear favorite, for, in my opinion, just because he's one of the best rebounders we've seen in years uh, this year. He's still scoring. He's one of the best offensive weapons that Kentucky has this year to just throw the ball in. He's pretty big. He's not super tall at the five position, but, you know, he gets it done with just his pure physicality. He's had multiple 20-point games. Um, he's just a beast. He's carrying Kentucky. But then I think right now he's still second to Johnny Davis for me just because Wisconsin was not really highly touted as kind of going into the season. Uh, they weren't really the favorite in the in the Big Ten, but just the way that he's been able to carry this team in some tough games especially against like Purdue, even on the road. They get it done at home against Purdue again. He's just had a lot of games where when they need him to play the best, he kind of gets it done for them and, and even more than they could ask for. So I think Johnny Davis on a team that was not highly touted going into the season and leading them to maybe a top three seed in the March Madness tournament, I think that kind of gets it done and wins some national player of the year. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I will say for me... I think I think Ochai, he's probably not my favorite right now, honestly. I'd have to say, even though he is a KU player, I would have to say that I probably have Oscar at first. Just because, you know, like you said, the 
just I feel like he alters the game more than I would say Johnny or Ochai does. You know, they're both really good scorers, but he provides so much more because, uh, you know, he can be a paint beast and give you like a solid 20 a game. But he also protects the board so well, and just his presence in the paint, uh, I think, creates a lot of issues for teams. Now, the reason I have Ochai at second is just because I feel like with a team like KU, I feel like they are really good. But at the same time, I look at Wisconsin, and I feel like I feel like they just have. This might be weird to say. But I feel like they play more. They they have better shooters in a way. And with KU, like we're supposed to be a good shooting team. But sometimes it feels like there's a lot of games where they'll just kind of get cold from behind the line. And I think Ochai in a lot of part, he accepts that or he understands that he's the best player on the team. And so he's always that guy, I feel like. That they can rely on. Ignoring today. Ignoring today. Today didn't happen. But, <laughs> you know, outside of, you know, just that one bad performance he had, I feel like he's still second. Whereas Johnny Davis, it feels like, I know there are a lot of games I watched. You know, there's games where I have seen him do really well. But there have been times when it just seems like his p- presence wasn't really needed. And that's something I kind of take into factor, too, when I look at front runners for wooden player of the year so i mean johnny davis doesn't have a clutch three to go into overtime does he i mean i don't know if he had more than more than one over the season but i remember watching ochai land an absolute clutch three that i'm sure nba teams just drool at i mean this is obviously uh wooden player of the year talks but ochai does have that clutch. i I think those johnny davis struggling games are really going to hurt his running for uh player of the year because they when he's not running he's really not a factor of that team yeah and just two quick things to add here i just looked it up his name cassius winston was the point guard at michigan oh, state yes. he was he was yeah. a nice yeah headband killer but then also i do think oscar Sheway overall he probably will win uh in the end just because i don't think they're going to be able to ignore the numbers that he puts up they just beat florida today and he was a beast he had almost 30 points uh, double-digit rebounds again. He's a double-double. Like, he's just a walking double-double. You're not going to keep him off the glass. So he's definitely going to win, in my opinion. But if I was picking, I think I would give it to Johnny Davis. Uh, I kind of wanted to talk about this because I know a lot of the Power 5 tournaments, it's kind of like they're all kind of wide open, and it's a matter of who do we think is going to win. But this one, I think, is probably the most polarizing, and that is the Big Ten tournament. Just because we've seen... So many power shifts from the top with Purdue, uh, Wisconsin, Illinois. And I feel like you kind of look at all those teams together and they've kind of kind of thrown shots back and forth at each other. Um, but for me personally, I don't know about y'all. I personally think it's between Purdue and Wisconsin. And if this week had anything to say, I think that's going to be the matchup to watch and hope we get in the championship. Yeah, I'm not sure how the you know, end of the season, Big Ten tournament bracket's going to kind of shape. But if we get a Purdue versus Wisconsin, you know, round three for the championship, that is going to be an epic matchup. Uh, We'll definitely be covering it. But for me, I think, you know, it's really tough to beat a team three times in a season. You know, Wisconsin's got the better of Purdue in their last two matchups this year. But I think Purdue is kind of going underrated just because of 
you know, they have a couple losses this season. I think they have six or seven. But, you know, a lot of those are coming at the buzzer. Uh, last couple shots getting up and just losing at the end. So Purdue has been a pretty consistent team all year long, and I think that they will be able to get it done over Wisconsin. I would like to say, when you look at Purdue and Wisconsin, I feel like they have two... When you look at teams that win, you know, just conference tournaments and, you know, national championships, I feel like they have the two factors you kind of need to win a championship. You know, a big man... In Purdue's case, they have two who can kind of control the pace. They've got, like, the biggest man yeah. in Zach Eady. That dude is massive. He can. He just kind of controls the game and, like, the paint, nothing easy is coming. Um, and Purdue, they have a guy who can go and get buckets whenever in Jaden Ivey. But I think where Wisconsin beats them is, as we saw at the end of their matchup, they have multiple guys, not just Do- Johnny Davis, but they have Chucky Hepburn, another guy who can go and give you a bucket to save you at the end of the buzzer. Yeah, that so. was that was a crazy shot, you know, just step back off the glass this week. Absolutely brutal way to go down. And I think that kind of proves the way that Wisconsin can really be a clutch team coming into these uh, these uh, next games and tournaments and March Madness and whatnot. But really, if I had to have a take here, I mean, with a lot of conference tournaments, I feel like it's so open. And I feel mm-hmm. like the Big Ten's one of those. Like, yes, these teams are clearly better, but I could I could really see uh, maybe Michigan State or another team pulling off an upset on one of these teams. That's an interesting take with Michigan State because they've they've been a team who's gotten kind of some upsets and also just some losses to worse teams earlier in the year. So there's a lot of up and down teams. I mean, we could talk about Nebraska going on a <laughs> yeah I on mean, a two win run Nebraska, after not winning a game for about ten games. One straight. of the hottest teams in the Big Ten right now. How about I, that? I don't think people want to see Nebraska from now on. We're winning out. But. <laughs> I mean, you you kind of are right on the nose with it, Brody. Like almost all season in the Big Ten. Like we saw earlier, like maybe a month or so ago, Rutgers was probably the hottest team in the country, and now they're kind of their hype is kind of dropped off with some tougher losses throughout the end of the season but stuff like that just random teams can just get hot and in a loss and you're out kind of environment like the tournament is you know the Big Ten is really up for grabs for pretty much anyone and I think for a lot of teams that's the motivation they need to uh, keep fighting in a uh, playoff scenario and I think we'll really get to see which teams have that it factor uh, coming soon to the Big Ten uh tournament next in our news this was kind of funny to see i'm not gonna lie (laughs) but coach k lost in his final game at cameron to their biggest rifles unc the unc uh, the unc tar heels uh four unc starters today scored 20 plus points um Nobody on Duke was really that special. Apollo had 23, though, on 11 of 26. Of course, of course. But, you know, this Duke team, (laughs) they always just amaze me because I feel like one week they have me feeling like, man, you know, they might go deep in the tournament. But then I just wonder how they're going to play against some of these. I think, honestly, their biggest enemy is going to be teams who we see them play, like, in the earlier rounds who might not necessarily be as good as them because it just feels like they don't bring the same energy every game yeah I feel like for me a lot of people are going to be concerned about this loss but my bold prediction right now 
is that this loss to UNC kind of lights a fire under Coach K in his final year, lights a fire under the whole team. Um, you know, this one's got to hurt for them, losing at home uh, to your biggest rival in front of all those Duke legends. Like Jay Williams was there. A bunch of other people were there that are kind of prevalent in like the media now today. And just, you know, I feel like going into March, that's kind of what you need. You need that fire to kind of get your team going. And I've kind of been on this train all year where I think I'm probably going to heavily favor Duke in a lot of matchups going into March. I might even pick them all the way. I'm not quite sure yet how the bracket's going to look, but I just think this team is way too talented to kind of write off so early on. I will say, part of me, you know, even this is kind of like a random, you know, comparison, but I think about that, you know, Lakers season where Kobe died and then the outside forces kind of played in and it just made a perfect story where the Lakers brought back the championship to the city of LA and, you know, made it, brought some happiness back. And I feel like, you know, something similar, I want to think something similar would happen here, which Coach K's final final season and he goes out like a goat and gets that national championship. But it is hard for me to ignore that so much of this team is also really, really young too. And I would... I would like to think that, man, you know, they'll put it together and like, because I do agree with you. I think they could be the most talented team in all of the NCAA. Mm-hmm. But at times, I also look and think about that 2019 Duke team, and they were the they were probably one of the best basketball teams we've seen in a while. But they had a couple of close games, and eventually they got sent out by Michigan State. And so I just fear that that's going to happen with this team as well yeah and the thing with Michigan State that year they were more kind of senior laden they had I think uh that that one I can't think of his name but that one point guard from Michigan State was really good in that game uh Xavier Tillman was on that team a lot of kind of upperclassmen and that was enough to take down a team with a with your best players being freshmen so we'll see if that happens this year again for Duke the stock market And now with that, we're going to take it over to my favorite segment being the stock market here. So this is our segment, if you don't know yet, where we talk about a couple players who we think their draft stock has gone up over the past week or so. And then we also have another player who we think their stock went down this week. So to start it off, my first stock up player is going to be from right here in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's going to be Bryce McGowan's. Um, I think after this week, he's just absolutely locked up Big Ten freshman of the year. Um, especially after this game against Ohio State. But, yeah, like I said, two road wins at the end of the season. They beat Penn State and also a ranked Ohio State team. Um, He really showed out in both games. He had 25 and 6 rebounds versus Penn State and 26 points and 4 rebounds versus Ohio State, both in wins, like I said. Um, He's really just been the go-to scorer for the Huskers all year long. Um, And he's averaging over 17 points a game, which is really good for a freshman you know you look at the numbers for kind of these draft prospects he's second among like relative or relevant uh draft eligible players in scoring per game for freshmen um just behind Jaden Ivey they both score about 17 a game uh, I've had to explain to a lot of people this year just how offensively talented he is um 49 of his attempts from the field get him going to the free throw line which is really impressive when he's such a good free throw shooter uh, over 80% from the line. He's one of the best free throw shooters in the Big Ten and in the nation. 
Um, and I think his outside shot is much better than, than you know the percentages will tell you. And I think this is one of the very few things where I personally can say something about it because I've watched just mostly every game he's played. And over the season, he's just gotten so much better. Uh, I think with that, he's also gained muscle and weight, and that's really helped him. And these last two games that give him this week's stock up have like just blown me out of the water how much better he's gotten over the season. He's really proving himself as a draft pick, and I think he is really trending up, and I think a lot of NBA teams are going to be eyeing him higher in the first round than they normally would have thought originally. I guess we'll kind of have to see what he does in the tournament too. But Yeah, this might be a hot take from me, but I think he will definitely be in the top 20. Um, I don't know if the GMs will see him that high, but I think ap- like looking back on this draft, I think his value will be up there. And But now my second stock up player this week is going to be K.J. Williams, the six foot ten. 245-pound big man from Murray State, which, if you guys know, this is the same school as John Morant. Uh, just a fun fact there for you. He has 13 20-plus point per game, or 20-plus point performances this year, and he also has four 30-point games this season with a season high of 39, which is really, really good for college. Uh, he's a good shooter, 54 from the field, uh, 33 from three-point range, which is pretty solid from a you know a big man, six foot ten. Um, he even shot 40% last year from three. So, you know, that's kind of dropped off this year, but I think he had less attempts last year from three. So with more attempts this year, it's going to go down, but I would definitely look for Murray state with him kind of leading them in that effort. I would look for Murray state to make some kind of big plays in the tournament this year and maybe, maybe even get more wins than they did when John Morant was with them. What do you think, Brandon? For my first stock up player of the week, we have Keegan Murray. 6'8 forward, 225 pounds out of Iowa. Uh, This week he had 26 and 23 versus Northwestern and Michigan. Um, I was looking at his game log, and ever since he had that 30 point performance versus February 10th, or versus Maryland on February 10th, he's really just been on a tear in the Big Ten. Uh, He's only had one performance that was below 20 points, I believe, and that was the game, the home, Nebraska's home game against Iowa. But he runs the floor really well, gets out in transition, can be comfortable playing around the perimeter, and I think he's just the type of player that will thrive at the next level. But definitely a top 10 pick in my in my eyes. You know, for my second stock up, uh, I had to show some more love to Tari Eason. He had 24 versus Arkansas, and he was pivotal in their win versus Alabama today. He had 20 points, a clutch basket, and a block to give LSU the lead. He's been one of the few bright spots for the LSU Tigers during their abysmal SEC play um you know they started off SEC play ranked and they kind of dropped but he has been consistently their best player and I think he's someone we've seen rise up yeah and it's really nice to see Tari Eason back up in this you know stock up range because even last week we were thinking about putting them for stock down after a you know a tougher week but we decided to go with that man uh Jawan Howard he was our stock down (laughs) last week but Good to see good to see Tari Eason back up here. I think he deserves it. And now for our stock down player. Oh Chai, I'm sorry, bro. Eight points, nine percent field goal Yikes. percentage. Like you only made one field goal. I'm sorry. I'm happy we got the dub though, so it's okay. Big win. As a uh Kansas fan, does that kinda kinda hurt to see him uh, struggle? Yeah, it does a little bit. Just because Especially against the te- since the team it came against too, uh, Texas he didn't really have 
a good game against them last time. I can't remember his uh, his stat line, the last game they had, but both of these are teams he's kind of struggled against. And, you know, I I just know going into Big 12 play, I am a little bit worried that even that game against Baylor, you know, he put up a lot of shots. I think he finished with, like, over 20-plus, but he didn't really have the best performance. I'm just worried, like, going into March Madness, teams will start to kind of Look at these games and game plan around him. Um, and also, he's kind of, he's been, I don't know what it is, but he's just been streaky lately. Because there were some wide open shots he had. He just didn't get them to fall. So I don't know if it's just a mental thing or what, or maybe a mixture of that and game planning. But You think he stays in the first round in the draft, even oh, with the stock going down? Definitely, definitely. Um, this was only just one performance. And I'm hoping, you know, especially since we're going to get in the postseason play, he'll kind of turn it up a notch. But. I can't, it's just because of how well he's played this season, I feel like it's really hard to see him fall out of the first round. Performance of the week. And next, our best performance of the week goes to University of North Carolina taking out Duke on Coach K-Day. Brady Manick had 20 points and 11 rebounds, and four starters finished with 20-plus points. Wow. Yeah, I really can't go, uh, you know, understated. Just UNC just coming in, just pure villain tendencies, just taking out Duke at home with all that, you know, energy in the building. That was really impressive, and I think that was definitely the best performance we saw all week. I would also like to point out UNC's really lack of depth that they've had all season. And even today, only they only had two bench points, I believe. So when you look at that, that is just crazy. But those starters really... They were on their game today. League him. And now for our league him player of the week, Isaiah Mosley. Congratulations. We had to give you a proper send off. You know, you were one of our favorite players to watch this season. We had really high hopes for you. Um, you he actually played really well today against. Yeah. Murray. Yeah. Can we talk about the game quick? Yeah. I mean, Murray state versus Drake. Uh, how many points did he have? He had like 25, I believe. Um, Still weren't crazy as he always has been this entire season. He was drawing so much attention, like so many double teams, but he was just passing and slicing it up. Yeah, every t- end of the regulation, he was actually, because he was getting double teamed a lot tonight, but he was he was making some nice passes. He had he only ended up with five assists, but, you know, I don't think all of the passes he was making, they were finishing, so that kind of is underrated. But, yeah, 27 points. 9 of 20 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3. He was just a straight dog like he always is. You know, we're going to be hoping, you know, obviously just pure hope that they get lucky on Selection Sunday, maybe get some just lucky votes to get in somehow as like maybe a 16 seed, I don't know. Uh, But most likely their season is going to be over for the second-ranked team in the Missouri Valley Conference. But, you know, we'll hopefully be seeing Isaiah Mosley again here in a couple months at the NBA Draft Combine where he will continue his dominance and be one of the best players at the Combine. There is a chance we could see him play in the NIT, though, as well. Oh, that is true. NIT is coming oh, yeah. up as well. So hopefully he does some damage there. But um, I seriously think uh, Isaiah Mosley has been one of our favorite players to follow. I mean, we brought him up, what, episode two? Episode one. Episode one. Or it's was almost it episode like poetic. One? Yes, episode one. It, it is poetic. because Our this first is one ever of our, league him, and he's back again. Yeah, one of our final ones before Selection Sunday, before madness ensues, and we have to, I, I guess our coverage will probably switch up quite a quite a large amount over 
the next like two weeks or so. But yeah, I mean, he was an unreal player. Uh, hats off to him. Hope he keeps his dominance and hopefully an NIT or maybe even we'll see a sixteenth seed upset again. Who who knows? First four, man. maybe. We've seen crazier things in college basketball, but I'm not sure if it's gonna happen. But Probably we'll be hoping. Not. But hey. Prospect breakdown. And now it is time for our prospect breakdown. AJ Griffin, it is your time. Physicals, he is a 6'6", 222-pound freshman out of White Plains, New York. And now Jake will hit you with the scouting report. Yeah, so, you know, we've seen it ever since he started to get more minutes for Duke. You know, he's just a sniper from the perimeter. Like, there's no other way to say it. Um, It seems like whenever he's left open outside, it's just straight money. Uh, over 52% of his shots come from three-point range, and he's making them at a clip of almost 50%, 48.7% from three. That That is just, I don't know if we've seen something like that in a while, which he's just a special talent, man. Uh, you know, we talk about how Jabari Smith Jr. is insane from the outside at the top of this draft. You know, Chet Holmgren, even, he's been a really good shooter, but I think it's time we talk about A.J. Griffin maybe being the best shooter in this entire draft class. Um, especially in the catch-and-shoot, which is what I think is his biggest strength coming into the league. What do you think, Brandon? I have to agree, um, especially about him being one of the best shooters because, he, you know, when you actually look at his form, it kind of catches you off guard because he, like, mm-hmm. he starts from, like, his pelvis, and then he, there's, like, a weird hunch or, like, hitch to it, and then he flings it. But it just goes in every time, so it's like, what can you do? And yeah. he's tall, so he can just shoot over everybody. So. I'm interested to see if, you know— if the shooting coaches on whatever team he goes to try to switch up his form or if they're just kind of satisfied with the 52% yeah. uh, attempts and 48% makes. So. Yeah. A guy like Tyler Hero, you know, he had a pretty good jumper, but they still fixed his, I know. So anything's possible. But to keep talking about uh, A.J. Griffin, uh, as we mentioned, he's shooting 48% from the three. But can we also talk about how strong this man is? He's insane. Like, bro is 222 pounds. And like he, if you look at his body, if you look at his body, he is like already pretty much, he looks like a Jimmy Butler. I don't want to say he plays like he a Jimmy He actually Butler. does. I didn't even think about that, like, but he really does. Yeah. he Like they don't play like, I hate when people say that he plays like Jimmy Butler because he really doesn't. Nah. But they really do look the same. Um, and also when you he dribbles and like gets into the paint, he just finishes over everyone. But. I know Jake said he would like to see him do that a little bit more, and I would too. I would too. Um, and I think in, when he gets into the next level, uh, that might be something he has to do a little bit more, especially now, because I feel like he's kind of he's going to have that reputation going into the league as primarily a shooter. And so people are kind of going to game plan for him, and they're just going to know that, hey, this is what this guy does. Yeah, uh, we've seen a couple of prospects. I don't think he was nearly rated this high as A.J. Griffin, but if you remember a couple of years back, uh, someone like Aaron Neesmith out of Vanderbilt, he was a sniper on the outside with the catch and shoot, just like A.J. Griffin. Um, and he's kind of taken a little bit of time to kind of get adjusted to the speed and the difficulty of the league just because that was kind of his main skill coming in. And he didn't have too much ball handling to kind of supplement when defenses kind of make it tougher on him. But we'll see if A.J. Griffin is a different different type of player. But right now I think his biggest weakness for me is just that with that amazing perimeter shooting that he displays basically on like a weekly basis, it comes with a lot of, you know, 
failing to get to the free throw line and drawing contact in the lane. You know, he had, as you said, he has a really strong body and great measurables for a two guard in the NBA or even maybe a smaller three in the league right now. But I would like to see him improve at kind of taking the initiative to get into the lane more often and, you know, get some easy points at the free throw line. He's shooting just under 76% from that, you know, the free throw line this season. Uh, that's pretty solid for a guard, but if he can get to the line a little bit more, he can really up that scoring average even more. Yeah. Another thing with him, I feel like he's got good size, but he's really not that athletic, I don't feel like. Um, it doesn't matter because he's 6'6 and 222 pounds, but when I've looked, I've, I was watching some film before I came, and I just noticed kind of how slow-footed he is defensively, and like, uh, I feel like that's where that size kind of helps him out a lot. But I wonder, you know, when you get to the, assuming he's still gar- playing like that shooting guard, small forward position when he gets into the league, you know, those guys are pretty quick too. So And they'll have the same amount of size. So I just wonder, I genuinely just don't know how, how his defense is going to translate. Because part of me feels like he'll be a good defender at the next level. Just because he has good instincts and, you know, he, I feel like he reads passing lanes really well. But part of me also feels like I'm just, I'm genuinely just torn. But I think that uh, another thing that's kind of concerning is I know he plays with like a lot of talented guys at Duke, but they're, he's just so up and down. You know, he's consistently been a good shooter, which I feel like if that's what he's going to be at the next level, um, then it doesn't really matter. But there's times when he, he'll go for, like, 20 points, and then the next game he'll go, like, for five and only take, like, two or three shots a game. And I know as he, uh, starting out, you know, he didn't really have a, he wasn't really getting a whole lot of minutes, too. So it was kind of like, I, I wish I had a little bit more of a consistent sample size of him you know, really going off just so I could kind of get a better feel. But I like where he's at right now. Yeah, now moving into the kind of the fit in the draft, um, it's kind of an interesting fit for me because I really like him with the Kings kind of at the top of this draft. Um, you know, Swipa, you know, Darren Fox, he's a really good guard at can kind of getting into the lane and finding his teammates. Um, he's not that amazing of a shooter. He's kind of just average to below average at times. Uh, but now with that trade that they made this season with, you know, bringing in DeMontis Sabonis on the inside, uh, he can do a lot offensively, you know, even playmaking a little bit. So I think with those two options already on the team, I think that A.J. Griffin could fit right in kind of into the void where Buddy Heald left with the trade. You know, he's now on the Pacers, so... I think that Fox could raise his level of play by getting him in the right spots and kind of helping him improve his playmaking possibly even. But it's kind of interesting because the way that he gets his buckets right now, I I don't think they're even in terms of quality of college basketball player, but I would even compare him more to like Buddy Heald right now just because both of them in college were really good, efficient shooters, especially from three. And, you know, they're kind of similar sized guards I think Buddy is probably more shot ready and kind of trigger happy, but you know, both kind of big guards on the wing and just shoot the lights out every day. So I think the Kings are the best fit for AJ. My hope for AJ, um, 
I'd like to see him end up in either Houston or OKC. Houston, I really like just because they've already got they've already got Jalen Green, Kevin Porter, who I'm still kind of like iffy about him running the point. But I feel like if you pair those two up with like a really good shooting, um, a shooting three like AJ and someone who's as we've seen with Duke, he's not really going to command the ball a lot. And if he gets more solid defensively, I just feel like that'll be a really good uh, core to have going forward. Um, and as far as OKC goes, um, I feel like they could really take on a lot of people, really. But they have Josh Giddy, Shea Gilgis, Alexander. And I feel like, as I've said before, he's not someone who demands the ball a lot. So those stars will still thrive, and that just gives you another elite shooter around the around the perimeter to pair up with those that already dangerous backcourt. Yeah, but just to kind of wrap it up here with A.J. Griffin's prospect breakdown, uh, I think it's pretty clear me and Brandon are both pretty high on him as a talent. Um, he's a freshman this year. He's still really young and has a really high ceiling. I think his floor is pretty high right now as a shooter, but I think if you're taking a shot like a guy at a guy like A.J. Griffin at the top, you know, he has a ton of skills that if you believe in your coaching and development staff, they could really he's really just like a ball of clay you know he's got the physicals to get this job done in the nba and he has a really high ceiling i think so we'll definitely see him in the top 10 in this draft uh no doubt but yeah that wraps it up for aj griffin and now let's take it to the trivia section trivia and now we'll enter the trivia section where i quiz these two gentlemen on their college basketball and NBA draft knowledge. I think as of now, it is a 3-3 tie between Jake and Brandon for who won the mo- who has won the most so far in the podcast. We are on episode 7, so that means there is a tiebreaker. We got three questions for today, and they're actually all college questions. Uh, just because we're leading up to March Madness and, you know, uh, we're really feeling that college basketball March Madness vibe. Let's start with number one. Who did uh, the University of North Carolina Michael Jordan play when he made his famous jump shot in the Georgetown. 1982 National Championship? It was Georgetown. I just watched the last dance again. It was Georgetown, 100%. I okay. also know it was Georgetown. You can leave Jake that said it first, so I think Jake said it first, so I think uh, yeah, he got it. It's right. fine. He can get the point. He can get the point. All right, all right. Jake, uh, that is correct. It was Georgetown. Uh, yeah. Jake was really quick to the trigger there. I don't think you'll get these though. Oh, these will be some good guesses. Big talk. The NCAA basketball tournament has been around for a long time. However, when was the first March Madness ever played? Multiple choice or not? It is multiple choice. We'll go A, 1939. Oh, my God. B, 1931. What? Or C, 1948. 48. 48 as well. And that is incorrect. The answer wow. is A, 1939. Oh, my. It was actually going on. I guess they had the first one during uh, World War II, which is interesting. Wow. Well, actually, I, I was like the beginning. Actually, I don't think the U.S. was involved yet. But Yeah, not yet. Uh, I had some stuff written up about it, but yeah, it started then. It wasn't called March Madness yeah. then, as we will lead into question three. 
as it took a while for March Madness uh, to get its name, March Madness. However, when did this come to fruition? Is it A, 1990, B, 1982, or C, 1974? It was 1982. I'm thinking it's 1990. Okay. Well... Looks like we're going to need overtime because B was correct and Brandon wow. got it right, 1982. I'll actually read you a quick fun fact here. It was uh, basically a sportscaster, Brent uh, Brent Musburger, that's his name. Legend. Uh, uttered it during his college tournament coverage. He called it March Madness. Apparently, they also had legal entanglements in 1996 when an Illinois high school boys basketball championship uh, basically sued them because they had been using it since 1939. Wow. So they'd used it. They literally started using it when uh, the tournament started. But, huh. uh, yeah, some fun facts there. Let's get some tankathon going then, I say. Ooh. Let's make it quick, of course. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, our overtime, we pick out tankathon, which is the NBA draft, an NBA draft uh, almost encyclopedia. <laughs> and... We pick out a player in a random draft from the past, and whoever gets it right wins the overtime. You know what? If you if you find it, if you say it first, you get it right. Okay. In two thousand six, what was the second overall pick, or who who got drafted in second overall? In what draft? Two thousand six. Two thousand six. Portland. He's still playing. Still playing. I mean, it's not crazy if it's 2006 that he can still be playing. I'm just trying to think. 2006. Portland Trailblazers is number two. Yep. He is still playing. It's not Brandon Roy. Are we allowed to ask for, like, other hints? Like, uh, Can I give current team? Sure. Is that too much? Current team is all right, I think. I'll give, get a move to I'll give current team. First one to say it. He is in Brooklyn. Lamarcus Aldridge. Uh, Jake got it. Yeah, Let's go. Yeah. It was Lamarcus Aldridge Dang. drafted in 2006 at second overall from Portland, Oregon. Jake takes week seven or episode seven, I should say. And Let's go, that man. is all we got here. That's four to three now. Feels good to be back in the lead. Brandon, <laughs> you could easily take next episode. I'm coming back. Well, yeah, we'll see. I'm coming we'll back. We'll see. Yeah. But with that, we will see you. I think we are planning on a little bit of an earlier podcast to kind of give you a uh, before uh, Selection Sunday breakdown of the uh, potential bracket that could transpire as uh, that's going to do it for us. How about that, Jake? Yeah, definitely. We're looking at releasing maybe a special here coming up pre-Selection Sunday. But with that being said, we're going to wrap it up here for Episode 7 of League Bound. Uh, Thank you guys for listening as always. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Uh, you can follow us on social media. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Jacob Schrantz. You can follow me on Instagram at Brandon.blue. And you can follow me at Brody Wilkin on Twitter and at Broderick Wilkin on Instagram. Uh, and also Broderick Wilkin on YouTube. Uh, we are on YouTube and Spotify. And you can find us on both at LeagueBound. And... Uh, Thank you guys for watching. Like, subscribe, hit that five-star rating on Spotify if you enjoyed it and if you want to see us do it more. We love doing it. Uh, and, yeah, next episode will be a little bit earlier. And 
See you guys later. Have a good one. Did y'all see LeBron put up 56? Oh, he had a 56-piece McNugget. 56 oh, points. my God. Can he beat? Who'd he beat? Warriors, man. He yeah, can't. He had a, on a Saturday night, bro. Like, chill out. Chill out.